We are I. Everybody, we're sitting down at a Fraser Valley Cider Company today with uh, with Jen, you know our infamous Jen. Hey guys, how's it going? <laughs> and owner Rachel. Hello. And uh, yeah, so this is going to be a continuation on of our craft beer series and our our passion projects and our micro communities and getting to little, know a little bit more about ciders because it's one thing that I realized that I know nothing about and. You know, when Jen and I were talking about it, I think I've only tried a cider once, maybe a sip of it in my entire life. So I'm actually quite interested to see what a, a non-grower's uh, oh. cider tastes oh. like. Oh. Yeah, yes. yeah, I'm almost like embarrassed to admit that already. It's like, as it's coming out of my mouth, I'm like, should I even say this right now? But, Let friends drink growers. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so I, I feel like the experience is going to be, be quite a bit different. And, um, you know, if you hear some birds chirping or a little bit of wind, you know, like we're outside enjoying this beautiful day in BC and, yeah. you know, just really trying to stop it all in. So, uh, again, if you hear a little bit of background noise, that's all it is and all a part of the experience. And uh, take us on a little bit of a journey. Ladies, tell, tell us a little bit about cider, a little bit of maybe like history of the, the business in general, just cider business, not specifically Fraser Valley Cider Company. Oh, cider business. So... I, I couldn't, I don't know offhand, is, is, was cider one of the first drinks I know it originated in France? Um, well, actually, when the Romans invaded Britain, they found people already making cider. Yes. And don't tell anybody, because I'll be out of a job, but cider actually makes itself. If you leave enough apples lying around, eventually they will turn themselves into cider. It may not be brilliant, but it will happen. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so the Romans found the ancient Britons making cider, and um, uh, apples were cultivated like 5,000 years ago starting in um, the Astrakhan area of China and um, so it could be as old as that um, mm. but really cider became recognized as a drink in about the 700s, AD 700s and Charlemagne was the ruler of the Holy Roman Empire at that time and his capital was based in Frankfurt and he kind of like um, I guess made it official that cider was actually a drink and actually Frankfurt to stay is still famous for its apple vine which is their version of cider and it spread throughout the whole of the holy roman empire so down to spain up to france um over to the uk and they are still kind of like the hubs of cider making and cider culture in europe but then those people also brought it out to the new world so the french brought it out to quebec and the brits brought it over to north america the spanish took it to south america and to this day i didn't realize this but i was reading this um really great book um by ben somebody i can't remember his surname but it's apples and and cider around the world and i didn't realize that argentina is actually a big cider consuming country and it is the traditional drink for everybody to have on christmas day in argentina really so yeah so it's spread all over the world from from humble beginnings and why why is cider so like like you don't hear anybody really well i don't anyway it's not very common you're like why is it not there with like beer and wine and spirits like why is well it used to be it used to be so i mean um it came over to north america i mean it's big in europe right it's really big and i don't know if you can tell from my accent that's where we're from we came over yeah we came (laughs) over from 
UK 20 years ago and actually um, we always drank cider growing up you know it's part of the UK culture and when we came over here we went into a liquor store and bought some cider which shall remain nameless and we drank it and we're like this is awful um, and we never drank cider again in North America because you just can't get the good stuff and then sort of four or five years ago Strongbow and Magnus started coming over yep. and that's kind of coincided with the um, with the growth of the craft cider industry which is amazing and mm-hmm. some recent stats I heard is cider is like the fastest growing beverage market in North America right now so there's a really? craft cider yeah. wave following that craft beer wave that we had like starting 10-15 years ago yeah. so cider is coming. It's- Oh, sorry to cut you off. No, like, okay. Do you think that has a lot to do with that people just really are starting to reconnect with, you know, these smaller operations, these smaller communities, because people can just pump out like a way better product? Yeah, I mean, part of it is the quality. I think part of what we're benefiting from as well is the whole sort of awareness about where your food comes from, the, the you know, the 100-mile diet, the eating local, the knowing your producer knowing where the food comes from that's a huge interest to a lot of people and it sparks their growth and i think we've got a lot to thank the craft beer industry for because they kind of like paved the way in cultivating this taste for something unique different you know exciting and and consumers are always intrigued by new and different products and so they've tried all the craft beers and those guys are still doing an amazing job but they're also looking for like the next challenge as well and and i think that's where we benefit from people are keen to try cider and then like yourself you know they've never had a a true craft cider and once they have it they're like oh this is okay let's have some more you know yeah exactly yeah. Well, and I find because that that was I know that you don't specifically know this, but like it had been over ten years since I drank a beer, really, and it was only right before that I uh, met Jen that I actually had the, kind of like my first beer again. It was a Guinness, and I've never had it. And I stopped drinking beers because I would get such a stomachache. Yeah. And I didn't get one from this Guinness, and then Jen introduced me to the craft beers. We started talking about it. She came in and we were drinking them, and like I find that to be the same thing. With cheese. I can't eat cheese, regular cheese, but if I eat good cheese or yeah. from like a little cheesery or whatever they're called yeah. you know like i can, I can eat them. <laughs> you, know I think I mean? you just made that up like that's okay <laughs> I, I make up things all the time right so but um but it's one of the, but i find it the same thing with the craft beers is like it just there there seems like you're connecting back with that part of your body that's like i know what to do with these ingredients you know like it isn't mass produced and you know like it's it's a lot more functional for our bodies and it's not this the stressful process of the mass production yeah well we have a saying in our family that life is too short for cheap cheese yeah so if i'm gonna have cheese i'm gonna have the real good stuff you know it's got to be worth the calories and it's the same as um as with if i'm gonna have beer i'm gonna have a great beer you know and um and, and that's a very kind of European mindset, right? Uh, you look at the French, they're all about good quality food. But the first thing you notice when you come to North America from Europe is the plates are heaping, the portions are huge, yeah. everything's monster size. And that's impressive in a way, but I think sometimes it comes at the expense of quality. You know? but even fridges, though, too, right? I find oh, that gosh, to be yeah. like the beginning of it is that, like, you know, when our fridges alone are like two or three times the size yeah. of like what a fridge would be, yeah. you know, um, in Europe and a lot of these countries, it's like I feel like 
that's the base of the problem because yes. when when you have the accessibility like in your house and you're like well then i now need to eat this yeah you know and then when things you know like say okay well i got this like a week ago i'm gonna have to start consuming this before it goes bad so then it's kind of like this spiral effect yeah. you know but like yeah. if you have to go search and like seek out for your food you know like on a daily or like every couple of days i feel like you're naturally just gonna buy less because you're more conscious about yeah. it yeah and like if you have the space to store less which is certainly the case in europe you know you're selective about what you put in that fridge and, and what you consume and it's always fresh because you can't keep stuff in there for a week you don't have the space you know yeah so yeah no it's it's um the the move to to quality and i think people are moving that way you just got to look at the rise of the farmers markets mm-hmm. you know and um we're, we're trying to reconnect back to that sort of like farm to table know where our food comes from and where our drinks come from and yeah it's it's a it's a huge sea change and not everybody's there yet but there's enough people there that are supporting local growers and and making this a vibrant industry you know i i feel like the whole kind of natural shift is coming with like you know even from like the more the global overview of you know like a lot of countries implementing these sugar taxes on you know products you know like and shifting you know people to buying a little bit more local and you know like you know giving subsidies you know to better quality foods and like the produce and like just allowing more accessibility to better quality foods i think those things kind of paved the way into us really wanting them yeah kind of making that shift so that you don't feel like you know when you're going to a farmer's market that you're some hippie or you know like that you know people are going to look at you as being you know like oh one of those people or you know we all do we can do with our kids or you know you know even with the craft beer community where like you know you can bring your children you know like with you and there's not trying to break down like those stereotypes where like oh you're those parents who take your kids to a pub yeah, yeah actually like my, kind of my things, son right? felix got thrown out of a pub when he was five days old i didn't realize you couldn't take kids to pubs in canada totally different, eh? <laughs> i'm like he's not drinking yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean that's something we really wanted to emulate when we um when we set up this place i mean we love canada it's the greatest place in the world to live and we would never go back to britain but there are things that we do miss about the uk you know and one of those was pubs and uh, Mm -hmm. so we decided to open our own and uh, we wanted to recreate that classic english beer garden feeling that that we had when we were kids you know you go with your parents and all their friends to the pub you'd get a coke with a straw and a bag of crisps and you'd gonna run off and play in the beer garden while the parents would sit around have a pint and catch up with their friends and it's super casual you know the the i know we're loosening up our liquor laws in canada but there still seems to me to be an element of puritanism of puritanism in it mm-hmm. you know why could you not go to a park and enjoy a glass of wine with your picnic yeah, you know yeah. we're still not quite there yet and we wanted to give people a place where they can come with their families and green space not on a patio in a car park somewhere yeah you know so you come here on a Saturday you've been here on a Saturday Yo, Joe, a when couple. there's like 50 kids crawling on the compost heap having a lovely oh, time yeah. yeah the parents are just chill the kids are enjoying nature and yeah and yeah. can't get into trouble yeah you, know, you can't get you can you can run for as far as you can see and as long as you can see heads popping out of the grass yeah you know you're fine yeah and we have a hose they can get hosed off at the end of the day yeah. so it's fine <laughs> which is you know which is interesting is you know you look at like i've had this conversation with with people you know quite a bit over the last like you know six to twelve months about how you know like we are founded on europeans but we lost the the european way of life yeah and we created this whole 
separate life, and now we're kind of coming back to that European yeah. style life. Like, where, where did it ever go wrong? Or, like, why did we well, ever choose? Or, like, it, what, I what's don't the... know that it did go wrong. I mean, you come to North America and Canada, and it is super exciting. It's super exciting, and everything's on a scale that you can't possibly comprehend when you live in a tight packed place like Europe and I think the people are just so nice and charming and friendly when we first came over here it was like people would stop us and chat and have a conversation with us in the street and that's not something you really get in in Europe a lot it's like you know you kind of think somebody's selling you something but they're not they're just being a pleasant person right and uh, so you know not everything that's gone on in North America is is necessarily a, a bad thing I think it's charming and it's lovely and it's it's brilliant but it is culturally different mm-hmm. and and I think certainly living somewhere like Vancouver it is so cosmopolitan right and you're getting yep. that absorption of cultures from all over the world not just not just Europe yeah yeah so yeah. what's the what brought you guys to Canada in the first place what brought us to Canada we always had itchy feet um, <laughs> We always had itchy feet. So my husband and I were both engineers and um, I'd worked abroad in Switzerland. He'd been a pilot for the Royal Air Force before he was an engineer. And so we traveled a bit and we settled down and we got into our careers. And the next step of our careers was gonna take us to London. And my husband was already there living in a bedsit. I was up in our house in Grimsby trying to sell it. And, and we're just like, really didn't want to make the move, you know, cause London's a great place to go and visit for a holiday, but to live there, it's just such a rat race yep yeah and we wanted to start a family and like staying home to look after kids is not an it's not an option because one of you works to pay the mortgage and then one of you works to pay the bills and have food and um so we're on the phone one night and we said i really don't want to do this and Mm. we happened to flip open a copy of yachting world and there was an article on (laughs) desolation sound yachting oh yeah yeah, absolutely do it let's just go here instead and so we sold the house we sold the cars we put all the furniture in a container we put the dog in a crate and we got on a couple of flights and we came out to Canada and that was uh, 21 years ago and uh, wow. yeah we just never went back that being said we still haven't got to Desolation Sound we kind of, <laughs> yeah. we've stalled uh, yeah. Sydney is about as far as we've got Sunshine Coast maybe but it's, it still is on the bucket list but, which yeah. is funny, it's one of those things where when people move here and they're like I'm going to go for a hike on those mountains right yeah. there and, and then right stare there. at them for 30 years yeah, and be like exactly. I'm going to do it tomorrow and yeah. then the next day and yeah. then the next day yeah yeah so that was that was the genesis of us coming out to Canada and then um we I worked well we originally came to Calgary which was interesting that was a culture shock I remember our first (laughs) night driving down like the the main town street in Calgary and there's a big pickup truck in front of us and I said to Sean I'm like is that a dead moose in the back of that truck and there it was like head lolling out the back we're like where have we come (laughs) (laughs) so so Calgary was fun for nine months and then we moved to Vancouver which Chloe and stayed at home with them for seven years and they got back into engineering and um, yeah, decided after another sort of 10 years of engineering, do I want to do this for another 20 years? And yeah, so what else do I do? You know, so and so then, was it just because you guys had like a connection with cider? like in Europe or like where where did that connection come from this is a great story yeah yeah so I'm sat one day at my desk like looking at a standard on flange thicknesses thinking this is fun (laughs) (laughs) with 
the real dry tone of voice. Yeah. Like, gritting yeah. your teeth and yeah. pursing your lips. And, and, you know, don't get me wrong. Engineering is a great career and it's a great profession and it's been very good to me. But you get to a stage where you've got 20 years experience where you're not actually doing the fun stuff anymore. You're supervising other people doing the fun stuff. And the only time you really seem to get involved is when there's an issue. So it's kind of a little bit negative, right? You're always dealing with problems and angry clients and and um so that's kind of where I felt I'd got in my career and I'm like I've got another 20 years before I retire you know this is this could be 20 years of the same and um so I took a week off work and I just kind of um did a spreadsheet because that's what engineers do at the moment of crisis like spreadsheet stuff and um I kind of tried to figure out what I really enjoyed doing in life and uh, part of that was batch processing so my first job as an engineer I ran a batch facility and I really loved it it's like cooking on a large scale with really shiny equipment and um, I really like growing stuff and I really like projects and I really like crafting and I really like being outdoors and so I was kind of mulling this over and we happened to visit some friends of ours on the island and we went for a day trip out to Merrydale Sidery and I was just looking around it and I'm like, this is a lovely place. You know, it was that perfect autumn day, apples on all the trees, lots of positive, happy people, really great cider. And I'm like, I'd love to spend my working days somewhere like this. And then I came back and did a bit of research. The Lower Mainland had no cideries at the time. And... Um, so I did another spreadsheet, did a side look like a good idea. <laughs> Something I've learned since then is anything can look good on a spreadsheet yeah. if you push the numbers enough. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, and then I signed up for a course on um, cider making, a one week principles and practice course. And it's held down at Washington State University at the time. And so I, I went down there and uh, took my tent, went camping, did the cider course. Every morning we started off doing cider appreciation. The instructor had come over from the UK and brought all these amazing ciders with him. And so by 10 o'clock, everybody's having a really good time because we've tried all these ciders. <laughs> and we talked about production processes and biochemistry and we did labs and we did analysis and we walked through the orchard and had a look at their trees there. And at the end of the Sounds week... Sounds like a lot of spreadsheets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the potential for spreadsheeting is enormous. <laughs> Yeah, so at the end of the week, I'm just like, because I went into it and I'm like, I'm not super committed. Let's see how we go. And at the end of the week, I'm like, yes, this is what I want to do. So I came home and I said to Sean, I said, we need to buy a farm. And he's like, wow, that was an expensive week. Yeah. Um, so then we started looking for a farm in January 2014. And we bought this place in March. And um, at the time, it was just a disused site with a load of old cars on it. And we got it cleaned up and graded and fenced and then we put the side rebuilding up in 2015 and um, got our license and then started building all our equipment and in 2016 we opened our doors wow yeah so is getting the the processing or the process for licensing for something this was how, like what was that like because you guys were kind of pioneers right like you're are you I, still the only cidery well in the lower mainland but there's 23 craft cideries in bc now so it's it's grown and we actually have an organization where we all work together it's a super supportive community lots of really nice people and lots of super passionate people everybody in that organization it's all family owned the cider makers are the owners you know it's we all share a common culture so it's really great to hang out with those people but um yeah the licensing process i expected it to be a big fight you know and and really demanding and i was really pleasantly surprised actually um in that um i phoned up 
the um, the liquor licensing board and I said you know I just want to ask you a few questions um, you know and um, she says well our job is to say yes to you and we just need to work together to make sure that we can continue to say yes and I'm like wow that's not the attitude I thought yeah, I was going to be yeah. experiencing so they were super supportive super helpful it was kind of funny because I did ask her a few questions. I, I said, well, your regulation says this and this, and, and can I just clarify that? And she's like, you've read the regulations? I'm like, yeah, it seemed like a good place to start. And she's <laughs> like, you've no idea how many people apply and never read the regulations, <laughs> you know. So I think if you do your homework, and um, it's a process, it's a very clear process. They give you a list of what you need to submit, and you submit that, and you get your approval in principle, and then you build what you said you were going to build. Mm -hmm. and it's um yeah it's it's fairly straightforward time consuming but fairly straightforward you know and and not confrontational yeah at all yeah. They, start to finish like if you were to you know like you know from that first initial conversation to actually like okay you know like you're you're approved open everything's ready to go you're pumping out cider like how long would that process be well i mean we we bought this place in 2014 and we were running two years later so we opened our door pretty much two years to the month later and um, that was kind of a stretch target at the time mm -hmm. you know um, we, we, we bought the property specifically to have a cidery so there was a big sort of push on us to try and get some income generating just to stop that hemorrhage and cash flow out you know and um, so we really pushed it and it was exhausting because Sean and I were both working at the time and um, so this was like a weekend project and luckily our kids were old enough that they um, didn't need us around so much. They were teenagers. They didn't really want to be spending time with us anyway, yeah. which is a good job, you <laughs> <Yeah>. know, because <laughs> we, we were here till like 10, 11 o'clock at night most nights. And um, so it was really exhausting, but I'm really glad we did because we kind of, um, our timing was perfect. You know, people were ready for a cidery. We kind of like mm -hmm. established ourselves. There's, there's other cideries coming for sure. You know, they're, they're springing up everywhere. Um, and it's nice to kind of get your doors open and get established and get comfortable. Um, other cideries are not really competition because the market's big enough for all of us to share. But it's it's good to feel secure, for you know. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, so, that's nice that you look at it as more like a community to be able to prop everybody up and not just more like you know like oh well we're gonna you know take it over you know like we're gonna open up like more like really like all these things to be able to stifle that growth of you know yeah. all the other you know more like independent growers and you know ciders coming up to be able to enter that market yeah yeah and you know when we opened um we bought this property and it was the smartest thing we never thought we were doing it's actually right in the middle of all the wineries and I didn't actually have this location in mind. I wanted something a bit more rural, but it's worked out really well because, you know, we've got four four major wineries, yep. five minutes in each direction. Yeah. And those guys, um, when we opened, they all came down on our opening day, bought us a bottle of wine from their wineries, said congratulations on getting opened. And, you know, um, for instance, the guys around at Chabaton, Brian is like, if you've got a problem, make me your first call, you know. Mm -hmm. And they, for the first year specifically, they were sending people our way. So people are going to the wineries and are tasting and they're like, oh, have you tried the new cidery? And so they sent us so much custom, got us on the map. And um, 
it was something I really didn't expect and some really generous support from our neighbours and and the way they phrased it to me is like well a rising tide floats all boats so the more there is for people to do in this area the more people will come to this area and we all benefit because your sideway customers will come to us and their customers will come to them and so that's what it's like in the immediate neighborhood and then the cidery community as well like all the 23 members of the bc farm crafted cider association we're spread out through the through the province but we all work together to promote our method of making cider and educate consumers on what it is and why it's worth what it's worth and and why they should be looking for our cider you know as opposed to a commercially manufactured beverage and and you know those guys when i'm looking to buy a new tank i can call them up hey who did you use and what's your recommendations and we all help each other out because we're all pretty much at the same place with our businesses and and you know we realize that by working together especially on the advocacy front we're we're stronger than we are if we if we don't unite and and they're nice where, people yeah, <laughs> yeah. where are all these because you said 23 but if you guys are yeah. the only one in the lower mainland like where are they well you know because which other idiot would spend millions of dollars on a lot of land in the yeah. lower mainland to put apple trees on it you yeah. know that's your challenge here yeah. um, <laughs> but um there's a lot in the okanagan which makes yeah. complete sense because there's all the apple orchards there right and it's it's most of the people in the okanagan are, have already got an orchard and it's like a value add for them they can mm-hmm. use their spare fruit this way mm-hmm. um and lot on the sunshine coast awful lot on the islands vancouver island and the islands because there's a strong tradition of apple growing on the islands there's all the pioneer orchards there right so um yeah so we are kind of like on our own here there's one up near Merritt, left field and they're kind of out on their own and the rest are kind of bunched in the okanagan and and the islands and sunshine coast um and actually the association's coming out with um a really cool app that we're, we've got um bc by local funding for and uh, we're developing a side way it's, it's similar to the ale trail yeah so um if people have a weekend in the okanagan and they're interested in cider they're going to be able to pull up this app and it's not just going to tell them about which cider is aware and what they're opening hours and what they do and stuff um, it's also going to say, hey, here's a cool hike you can go on the way, or here's a funky little restaurant for lunch, and here's a great place to stay overnight, and here's some other activities that you can go on the way. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be for each specific region, mm-hmm. and uh, it's going to be, you can like pair it down for a day trip, or you can have a three-day weekend out of it, and it's just going to be some suggestions for people who love cider but like doing other cool, fun stuff as well so which that's like bc culture though right you know, yeah like exactly you know, yeah like, you know we want to go travel around we want to see our own province you know because there's so many amazing you know different communities with inside yeah. of our, our province you know but we want to try the cideries we want to try the wineries we want to go on the hike we want to go paddle boarding like we want to do all these things yeah. so it's just kind of merging and bridging all those together yeah yeah and it's something we often forget you know when we jet off for holidays and stuff it's like people pay thousands of dollars to come here all the time i tell people yeah. that we regularly. are a world destination right yeah yep. yeah especially and, like when we're hiking or like when we're fishing i always try to say to people like will spend tens of thousands of dollars to come here and you know, and go on like this fishing trip that we kind of just like hop in the car and go yeah. drive to do yeah. or like do on your day off right yeah, or, like, yeah. these pictures we take on top of all these mountains it's just kind of like a saturday thing we do you know but like <laughs> yeah. they're, they're all <laughs> world so. for some stuff, people it's right? the highlight of their year right yeah. Yep. yeah yeah and i know as immigrants we still get that you know we'll still go down to like english bay and 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 walk on the jericho beach there and go 
yeah we live here mm-hmm. yeah you know you got the ocean you got the mountains you got that amazing skyline of vancouver it's like yeah we live here yeah this yeah. is ours yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah and you know i think i kind of got like my real eye-opening taste that even though like just i'm kind of always here there and everywhere but you know they, they just recently about a month ago we went and we did we hiked quarry rock in deep cove yeah and then it was when um oh what raptors game was i can't remember it, it was still the eastern conference finals mm-hmm. and then so there's the little um fish and chips place there that has all the craft beers and stuff so yeah. you know they had the game once we stopped there and you know like we had a beer and we had some fish and chips which is like you think like bc culture is fine and so like you hiked you know like you're sitting yeah. in a place in an indian arm like in this little bay you know at this place having a craft beer and eating fish and chips and then yeah. you know we hopped in the car and then we you know got changed and we drove downtown we were playing basketball in yale town like an hour later yeah yeah, yeah. they're like what an amazing place you know now you're yeah. oceanside playing basketball something that you see on movies all the time yeah yeah like what an amazing province to live in yeah it is it is and and you know um we have a real strong appreciation for that. I think after 20 years, we still feel like we're on holiday here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of place. Yeah. Yeah. So when it comes to cider, is there only one way of making a cider? Is there like multiple different ways to be able to <clears throat> come with that end product? Like what's well, the what's the process behind? So the process is, is really easy. Um, so um, basically you take your fruit and um, uh, you press it. So you mush it all up to mush the apples up. And and this is why cider is such a great process for the orchards because you can use the ugly apples, right? The one yeah. the, the ones that you can't put on the beautiful supermarket shelf store. Yes. You you use all of those apples and um, mush them up and then you press them so that you get the juice out of it. And then the juice can either be fermented naturally because there's wild yeast everywhere or you can use your own cultivated yeast to ferment it. Ours takes about you know a couple of months to ferment and then we'll rack it off the dead yeast cells and leave it two or three more months to store and then um what we do with ours i can't speak for the other cider makers but we we blend so um you know some some we will just bottle as it is that's our bone dry cider others we blend with like fresh pressed raspberries or black currant or honey is one of ours as well um so there's a traditional school of thought that says you shall only make apple uh, cider from heritage cider apples um, and you won't add any fruit to it and you won't sweeten it and stuff like that. And and so there's that sort of very purest train of thought. Um, but something that my instructor on my cider maker course said to me was, well, just start making cider with what you've got, because there aren't any heritage cider orchards really in Canada and they're starting to appear and the people who have them are kind of using all their own fruit so it's really hard to buy on the open market (laughs) but there's lots of like good dessert fruit here so I started making cider using dessert fruit and um, people really seem to like it and we do do a cider with a heritage cider fruit as well and although lots of people really enjoy it and it's our staff favorite it's not necessarily our biggest seller Mm -hmm. so i think like people are still cultivating their palate with cider they're getting used to what is called a new world cider which is made with dessert fruit and then the old world ciders are kind of like the the next step you know what would you classify as dessert fruit so um you know things like gala macintosh just all the apples you can buy in the supermarket right and we have a huge plentiful supply here of those in, in bc um so in our orchard we're not growing those because 
Um, we lease orchards in Kelowna where they send us those kind of fruit and, and I can't grow anything cheaper, better, faster than the Okanagan guys can yeah. do. I, I'm not going to waste my time trying to do that. Um, so we have in our orchard, we've got 2,000 trees and we've got 29 different varieties of heritage cider fruit. So mostly French and English varieties and so we've got things like Chisel Jersey, Brown Snout, Porter's Perfection, Dabinet, Michelin, Kingston Black. They all have amazing names. They sound like they should... I've never heard of any of them. Yeah, they sound like they should be houses at Hogwarts, you know, not apple varieties. And actually my favourite, we've got some peri pears in there as well. We've got 50 peri pears and um, one of them's called a a Hondre Hoof Cap. <laughs> Who named all these things? <laughs> I think people just want to sit around and get a little buzz and just spit the names yeah, out. Exactly. Of they just they just want to say Hondre Hufcat. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so we've got 29 different varieties of fruit there, and our trees are still babies, and and some of them are doing really well. Some of the varieties are doing really well. Some are not doing so well. Um, but there's no real literature about growing that type of fruit on the lower mainland. Um, this is not a traditional apple growing area because of our damp coastal climate. It's um, it's prone to like fungal diseases and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's why most of the fruit is not grown here because it's got to look pretty. But we don't need our fruit to look pretty, right? Because we're just going to mash it up. Um, so yeah, so it's a bit of an orchard really and we've got four and a half of our 12 acres planted and then we'll kind of we'll see what apple trees are doing really well for us and what makes a great cider and then we'll plant more the the idea is to have a full 12 acres planted one day but um yeah do that in stages and do it with stuff that we know is going to work for us so cider apples i always say the analogy is kind of like between wine grapes and table grapes you know you wouldn't make wine necessarily out of table grapes and the cider apples have been selected over you know generations for good pressability um great taste um they're generally quite acidic they've got lots of tannins in there um they're very astringent they call them spitters because if you bit into one of these apples you'd spit it right out again Mm, but it makes really great cider so um, yeah and like the tannins with the research that's coming out now about how healthy like tannins are to your body yeah Yeah. well that must be why i'm drinking 10 cups of tea a day then right yeah Yeah, absolutely i'm gonna go on forever yeah you know it's it's all those little things you know like the more that we tried to just steer away from like simply you know getting out and you know like picking something off the earth and eating off the land you know that's kind of where we started like nutritionally just for our bodies right but you know because you know we talk a lot about how like the kind of like the sugar industry is like kind of retrain our palate to only want sweet stuff that we forget about the value you know to our bodies and all like the bitter yes Mm -hmm. life right yes yes yeah yeah so yeah so um that that's what we're growing here and and we do try and keep our ciders on the dry side because i think one critique is why people don't like cider is it's just too sugary sweet the commercial Mm -hmm. stuff right so so we do a full range from dry to sweet but i think even our sweetest stuff is is not sweet compared to what you would get out of a can or and do people like say when they come in and because it's a lot drier like do you do you do you have that connection with your customers and like there's like i I actually really appreciate this because it's dry yes exactly Mm -hmm. so like our bone dry is zero residual sugar just fermented apples in the bottle and you know um the people who love it really love it it's not for everybody i mean even for me i I just find it a little bit too dry to be enjoyable in large quantities but the people who like it really I like how you said large quantities <laughs> <laughs> you're just like let's just get out of like the few sips let's go straight to the large quantity <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> I like that. Um, do you have in your your pail over there? Do you have like one of those bones right now that we're kind of um, talking about like you know what? recipes I have, and I have stuff? I have the scrumpy. Um, okay. Do you want to have a try of the scrumpy? Sure. This is, so this uh, is where Jen, you can kind of like, yeah. you know, you guys yes, can talk on, some, some shop talking. here and I can just sit and smile. Yes, you can. Oh, sitting pretty. Scrumpy is fabulous. The oh. scrumpy is a traditional British style cider. So as opposed to being the bone dry with no residual sugar, this one you're going to find will have, well, do you know what the RS is on this? It's a little um, bit higher, but it's not, it's, it's still not a lot. dry cider. So, yeah, this is like a 50% blend of the heritage cider apples I was telling you about, along with our standard dessert fruit. If you did a full 100% blend, it's very, um, very, what should I say? Assertive. It is. Yes. It, it, so we yeah. dial it down a bit. Yeah. Brandon. Yeah. You're gonna find um, more apple flavor. It's it's a very full flavored apple cider. It's got a little bit more funk to it, but in a fabulous way. Um, we call it cider with attitude. It's yeah. She's. Yeah. Cheers, ladies. Oh, Cheers. what a lovely day for some cider. Absolutely. <laughs> Love it. Right. Wow. A little bit of something going on. Yeah. So subtle though. Yeah. 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 And um, I don't super carbonate the ciders. It wants a little bit of carbonation just to be yeah. exciting, but not so much that it dominates the flavors. No, right? it's not going to take over your palate by any means. It's it's just actually just a little bit more than this. It's lovely. Yeah. I actually find that you, I don't experience the, the flavor of this on the tip of my tongue. I yep. only start to experience it once it starts to wash down, like more like the back of your totally. tongue. On the roof of your mouth. Yeah, right? Yeah. It's yeah. a mid But like when you're <laughs> first, it, and I actually thought it had something to do with it. I might have been breathing in as I was doing so I'm like, maybe I missed some of it, but I held it and you don't. Like you got to kind of. Are you using your techniques? I am that using we learned? my, yeah. Should we go back over you this have again? Techniques? Yeah. We, we went, so the last, uh, the last podcast that we did um, on the beer side of things, we went through how to properly taste beer. And to a certain I thought extent, you just pounded it back. I mean, that's... <laughs> see, I thought you just pounded it back too. That was the thing, but it's not. It's like this, like this. Can you do the same thing with ciders as like we do with beer, where you pair them together and it draws out the? Yes. Yeah. So um, you can you can do proper pairings with pretty much any beverage, um, and cider is no different than what you would do with with uh, beer or wine when you're pairing your meals. So uh, when you look at a scrumpy cider in knowing that it's fuller in body, not a high high sugar count, it's not a really sweet cider. Um, it's, it is floral. It's got um, some really cool like funky yeasty qualities to it. It, it tastes a lot like, like the skins have mm. a really fabulous flavor to it yeah. and you get that out of this product like if you're going to pair this up do you have a proper do you do you have um recommended pairings yeah, we for do. the scrumpy yeah we actually had a sommelier come in and um yes. taste with the staff so we got all our yeah. ciders out that was a good evening we got 10 yeah. different <laughs> ciders and um, and we had a sommelier come through and taste with us and just educate us on how to talk about cider because mm. we, we all enjoy it but we're not trained in any way, yeah. you know. And what are they called? A smellier? A sommelier. So that's yeah. um that's a, a wine qualification, it right? Is. Yeah. yeah. So it's essentially your your wine professional. A sommelier is used um, primarily in the designation is for like restaurant and in pairing foods with beverage, um, as opposed to the 
say more professional side of things in trying to sell product and talk to people about it. So uh, one of their prime objectives is to marry beverage with food um, and show the benefits of how to do that and how it's going to interact with your food and how the beverage is going to sit with different food products. And so, yeah, that's the whole idea is to show the best way to marry this up with different foods. And... um, yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, if I were to pair this up, and I just just thinking super basic, I'm thinking like, um, man, like a grilled cheese sandwich with oh, barbecue, cheddar, I think, barbecue. Um, yeah, he, be, um, our guy said that because this was um, lots of body and robust, yep. it, it could really stand up to something like you know even barbecued ribs or yeah. mm-hmm. or something. Actually, like I that. can see that. Yeah, like yeah. Yeah. so, I'm like you know, like <clears throat> sweeter ribs where you'd want it to almost. Cut through, yeah. Because actually, the one thing about like trying this, I find that I was surprised it wasn't carbonated, but pleasantly, like I really enjoyed that it wasn't because it seems like it's a lot like more pure that way. Yeah, yeah. Like it is like it seemed like if it was carbonated more and like that fizziness like entered the equation, I would have lost a lot of like the the real. It's almost like glacier water, like you know, like mm-hmm. like when it hits, yes. it's like it was, it's pure, like you, like doesn't seem like there's this, this stuff that that's there that shouldn't be there. It, mm-hmm. Like when I when I taste this, I, I really feel like everything that this is supposed to be, that's exactly what it is. Yeah, yeah. and actually that's uh that's interesting because we do have this, you know, ethos at the cidery that if it's not a real food, it doesn't go in the cider. Mm. So yeah. um, you know, um, we do blend stuff in our cider. But it would be something you would recognize on a supermarket shelf. Yeah. No artificial flavorings or additives. Everything is a real food. Yeah. And for instance, our honey cider, this sommelier, by, for instance, he was really good. Yeah. Um, he could even identify the variety of honey that I'd used in the honey cider. Really? Yeah. yeah. So our wow. honey cider is raw and pasteurized honey just mixed in with the cider. And that's all we there is We need to get one of, these, one of these people on, on the podcast to be able to talk about this because I find like somebody who's that in tune with their senses like that's yeah. incredible because and yeah. just giving us really good descriptive terms right so yeah. that we can describe it to yeah. our customers that yeah. come in and see and this this is my whole point about you know doing coming here and like doing this podcast here is because like there's there's no way you'd be able to have like that clean taste at a commercial product like you know like a growers or something no. like I know and the the one thing I really like about this too is that like when you're drinking I'm like I don't feel like there's like this sugary coating on my teeth or like anything yeah. and that's yeah. where like I said it just it tastes like really clean or the experience is so clean yeah yeah and that's why it's super refreshing right because you're just getting that sort of brightness rather than that sugar cloying. Well, yeah. teeth itchy feel, it's right? like what Rachel just talked about, and, and we've certainly touched on this in the past, and it's just real food. Real yeah. food done in small batches and done right, and not trying to be anything that it isn't, and not hiding anything in the product that shouldn't be there. Mm. You know, and so what's that going to give you? Exactly what you're looking for. Mm. Yeah, and you know, like where, where you say like that, four often, you know, if you just take the time to experience in your mouth a little bit, like, you know, like after about five ten seconds you really start to feel you know like you know some of it might just be like the amazing atmosphere too because you're immersed in it as well mm-hmm. but yeah. you know again it's like those those local ingredients the pure ingredients you know if you can't find it on a supermarket shelf it's not going to be in here like yeah. i just mm-hmm. like i love that about these products and that's what makes them exciting and it goes back to the craft beer segment is that 
like I I would not care at all about getting drunk or like a buzz or like anything but like mm-hmm. just like the conversation piece that these things can be and like you you would never strike up this conversation if you went and bought a pack of growers in the no. liquor store yeah, yeah. I, you know what we're not gonna get sued by growers are we <laughs> Well, it'd be me anyway, so, yeah. And at the end of the day, I'm just like, caution to the wind, get the rest of the bottle out. <laughs> if we're going to get sued in the future by growers, you might as well make it worthwhile. <laughs> but, you know, but it is one of those things, and, you know, I, I don't think there's really, like, any denying it, you know, and I, I love how, like, our, our culture, you know, as, like, humanity seems like it's coming back to these things, because not only, like, are you guys as business owners connecting with something that, you know, makes you happy, but, like, you know when you look out and you see that you know like that community because you guys you've you've built a community in lower mainland bc like if you guys weren't here doing this this community would not exist geographically talk about i would love rachel to talk about the opening day of your first season and your intuit your expectations and then the reality of the situation because i think this is the best story that leads (laughs) totally to what you're talking about yeah so um you know we're we're getting ready to open soft opening and we just put it out on Facebook and that was it. And uh, I was coming up to working weekends at the Sivy and I thought, well, you know, I'm going to be bored because there's just going to be one or two people trickling over a weekend, but I've got to be there. So I'm going to get myself a project to do while I'm waiting for people to come down the drive. So I bought one of those colouring books, you know, that were all arranged like two or three years ago. <laughs> yeah. Thinking yeah. in between customers, I can just do some colouring. It'll be fine. Um, so our soft opening, um, Sean, my husband, came and gave me a hand behind the bar for the day. We had 300 people walk through the door on the first wow. day and we sat down at five o'clock and we looked at each other and we're like, well, we can't keep going like this all year. And <laughs> so we immediately started hiring staff and uh, that colouring book is still in the bag on my desk, never been touched. Yeah, <laughs> the best place for it to be, right? Yeah, now. exactly. Yeah. And so now we have um, 10 staff that all help out. They all help bottle the cider and make the cider and, and serve as well. But coming back to community, I think that was... Uh, that was something that I just wasn't expecting from this venture at all. I mm-hmm. thought it was just going to be a straight mercantile t- transaction, right? Do you, do you want any cider? Yes, here you go. Mm-hmm. Um, but people want to come in and they want to hear the story about why we opened it and how it came to be. And they want to meet the person who's made the cider. And they've got all these questions to ask about. Well, how did you decide to do this? How did you decide to make this plan? They really want to be connected and feel part of your story and and it's like we were saying beforehand that they're not just coming here for the cider the cider's got to be good but they're coming here for the whole experience Mm -hmm. um we're selling a cider experience not just cider and and this um kind of epitomizes itself in our community press project when i was working on my recipes for the cidery um i didn't have any apple trees under production at that time but langley is full of apple trees at the side of the road that just go unpicked right so um i was driving around in my farm prius um with a load of sacks in the back and a rake all full and the kids are like mom you're not pulling over and thieving apples again this is embarrassing you know (laughs) so i was just gathering all these apples and making cider and i i thought well i'm sure there's a lot of people that have surplus apples and you can only make so many pies and fill so much mm-hmm. apple sauce into your freezer, right? Yep. And so we put the call out at the end of our first year. Does anybody have any apples? Do you want to make a batch of cider with them? And um, we got 
probably like four thousand pounds of apples and all these people coming in and we made a thousand liters of cider so they come in they bring their apples they get hands-on with the press they play at bean cider maker for the day they help us press the apples and actually that's where i recruited one of my staff members he was such a great worker at the, at the first community press anthony um He's like, oh, I'd like to stay longer, but, you know, I have to go because my dad's giving me a ride. It's like, uh, we'll drive you home later. Carry on, <laughs> carry on pressing. Yeah. Uh, and now he's worked for us for the past three years. Um, so, yeah, people come in and they make the cider and then we ferment the batch and everything. And they come back in the spring when it's ready and they bottle it and we help them use the bottling machine and everything. But it's all them doing the work. And then we split the batch 50-50. They take 50% home, split it between them according to their apples, and then we take 50% and we sell it in the side to cover the cost of the project, mm. all the bottles and the labels and everything like this. And people love it. Yep. And and every year the side is different because we don't control what goes in. And it's pretty good again this year. Last year was exceptional. This year mm. it's good. Yeah. Um, but yeah, people just love getting hands on with it and, and being part of your community and and then we've extended that this year in the, the Langley Environmental Partner Society also went and foraged apples and most of what they forage they sent to the food bank but the stuff that they can't so they came in and helped us make a batch and we're selling it for them and they get part of the proceeds as a fundraiser and that's a really excellent cider really yeah. happy with that so one. cool because like yeah. yeah the cider both came out well roughly the same time we'll say yeah. in the same calendar yeah. year completely different yeah. yeah they are totally different ciders and all the product is like hyper local it is it, yeah when you taste them in a flight back to back there it's really cool yeah 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 and people just love like serving their community press cider I at did a, this. a party and go oh yes i made this yeah you know <laughs> so, so cool. do you think like like the base of that is true authenticity builds community because yeah. like this is yeah. like like this authentically spoke to you to be able to offer this so like no matter what you do no matter what service you offer no matter who you you know partner with no matter what it comes out to be like there there's a pureness and the authenticity behind that and like now you have this community because i know people you know like just saying that you know i was coming here there's like yeah i've gone to and done this program where they've you know forged for these apples you know and it's yeah. funny listening to people's stories about they're stealing apples from their neighbor's trees <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, one woman went to ralph's and bought a box just so uh, she could take part you yeah know? <laughs> you know so it's like but the one thing like you said is that you know if you look around i think that people don't realize when you're driving around how many random apple trees there are so yeah, around many. you know like yeah. i can think of quite a few spots where like you know, if you look, the apples just basically rot off the tree yeah, or they yeah. fall on the ground and like nobody's ever going to pick them and they're just in the most random spots. Mm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting what you say about authenticity and I think maybe people are just like looking for connections. That's right. It. That's exactly you what. Know, yeah. In our online world, this it's nice it. to connect with something tangible. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And if you part look of at it, it kind of started before, like, you know, I think like like Facebook and Instagram these social media websites and like the internet itself I think kind of morphed into like a really easy target because it was yeah. the icing on the cake but you know I think it's when we started you know like trapping people in cubicles putting them in offices you know yeah. like where we just lost a lot because you know like it, it's really different if you're out picking apples or washing a tent roof or like mm-hmm. you're doing these things and you're, you're side by side with somebody you know like yeah. doing something and working on a project together and that's like how our world got to where we're at today yeah like well, we lived hundreds of thousands <clears throat> of years that way that that really strikes a chord actually Blake because you know I mean that was part of my epiphany when I was looking at that standard for a flange one day it's like would anybody 
notice if I wasn't here today. Mm -hmm. You know, it just felt like it had no meaning. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I, I, and I, I know as an engineer, you've got to be safe and you've got to follow the correct procedures and stuff. But it just didn't feel real work. And and I think there's a there's a, a reward a reward in good honest toil, right? Mm -hmm. When you go home to bed at night exhausted because you've been digging trees in the ground, you feel like you've really worked that day even though yeah. you might not have earned any money mm -hmm. um you know in fact you know in this place it's probably cost you money yeah. um but you know there's a satisfaction in getting your hands dirty and getting stuck in and looking at something and going yeah i did that mm -hmm. you know um and that's what's rewarding because I, as i said i don't think i'll ever make a any money at cider making but i get invited to some great parties uh, i've met some awesome people yeah. and i'm having a, a really good time but it's not something you do because you want to get rich quick it really isn't it's that labor of love isn't it, it is yeah. yeah yeah it would be nice if it would pay its way yeah and i'm sure it will um but you know you're not doing this because you're going to make a million you're doing this because there's a, a satisfaction and a reward in creating something really unique and and individual and fun and cool mm -hmm. you yeah. know because when you say that you know like the the number one thing that comes to my mind and like i hear this narrative all the times i deal with a lot of people in corporate settings where like you know they're always being told and coached to say you know or to believe and to buy into a system or just like you know what you're always replaceable you know like yeah. you need to go to this far do this absurd amount of work or work this much absurd amount of hours because you know what if you're not willing to do it you're replaceable yeah. yeah like there's no value to you actually being here except for this task gets done that i'm mandating that you do mm -hmm. so if you don't somebody else is going to fill your shoes but the one thing that i've noticed because you know it's the same thing like with this podcast is that I don't really necessarily care like if it ever becomes revenue generating, but to be able to have like these amazing interpersonal connections with people that I never normally like I would yeah. I would in any other circumstance I would never be sitting down with you two on this beautiful day having an amazing conversation. And the one thing you can never replace is somebody's individual passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So like when you're truly connected with like like with something that you love to do you can't replace it if you choose not to do it, if you chose to shut this winery down or the winery this cidery down even if somebody bought it it would never be the same feel as when you owned it yeah no it's that's true. true yeah 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 but as an engineer yeah you know, like you could go and you could do that right yeah or somebody would come in and take that yes mm. uh, well you're yeah. following standards and procedures and not your heart and your passion right yeah, yeah. that's the difference so Dan, when it comes down to like these um these ciders you know like like what? What do you kind of like? What's what's it makes a great cider to you? Like what what speaks to you when when you're like I'm gonna have a cider? In okay, so my personal opinion, uh, knowing that I love craft, I love I love craft. Um, I love the idea of not a mass-produced, broad range, broad palette product. I I do like things that well, I guess it's twofold. I like things that are a little bit on the funky side. Um, something that is going to be a little bit out of the norm because again we could have enter any mass brand cider here some of them are great I had I had a cider it was in Canada for just this it was like a hiccup of a second it was so short and I think it was called Workman's and it was fabulous that was a great cider I've never been able to find it again and it was it was dry and it was yeasty and it was almost like if not being super hot forward but if a beer and a cider had a love child that's what this was and it was crushable and tasty and it was awesome uh i i like that 
I like, I do, I appreciate a cider that is out there. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're going to add adjunct flavors to it, um, like what Rachel was saying, other other fruits or herbs and just to make it super individual, I love that. But then at the same time, I also appreciate uh, a good steadfast product, um, not necessarily on the sweet side. There's one that uh, Fraser Valley Cider makes that I absolutely love. I will come here on any given Saturday and get a, a pail and then put a bottle in it and the honey is fabulous to me. They use their house cider. It's one step up from the bone dry and that it's still a dry product but it has just a little bit more apple flavor to it. Um, I think that's a, a light blend that they do in that. Rachel can definitely speak to that. I'm not too sure if we're pouring it today but um, then they use, it's a wildflower locally collected honey that they don't put, they don't still into the product, they add it afterwards and so the bottle has like a real cloud to it. If it settles, there's some, is it, the honey will settle to the bottom, you just have to like whizzle it back into the product. Fabulous. The flavor out of that is great. It's not overly sweet. When you drink it cold, the sweetness actually reduces quite a bit, so you get that real honey flavor without the sweetness behind it. I love that. I, that is just that is that is cider to me. That is that's what it's all about. Great flavors. Just yeah, great flavor, easy drinking product. What's a snack you that you'd have when you're like say if you're out here on these you know beautiful red chairs, you just relax. That sun's got a few you know beads of sweat trickling on the forehead. You got this pail, the condensation's running down the side, and you're like. I just need something to go with this experience right now. Like, like what is that? Okay. You know, if you're having the honey one, like, what would it be? I mean, across the board, king of snacks, charcuterie. Yeah. Charcuterie all day long. You know, with your with with the the honey cider, because the honey will provide a little bit of a spicy quality to it. Not in like a hot spice, but you do get you get a little bit of something something out of that. It pairs super well with all sorts of meats and cheeses, like. I think you and I, we may have talked previously about if you have like a really good, like a really sexy cheese, and then you just put a, just a drizzle of honey or maple syrup on it, it, it totally transforms the product. I feel that I get the same type of quality out of a charcuterie board with drinking the honey cider as you would having it with a, a dried apricot. Or so I'm not a big fan of raisins, but I can appreciate like some uh, some raisins or something with your meat and cheese and a spicy mustard. I think that's fabulous. So so good. If you're if you're going to go the other end, uh, again anything with like a, a sharp cheddar or a spicy, you know, oh man, like almost a chili quality. Oh, you know what? This this is awesome. Slight a slight plug for here, but I just think it's fabulous. There is a local chef that runs a shack on the corner of the property. It's called the Chef Shack. Adrian Beatty, fabulous. He does on uh, not every weekend, but certain weekends. You follow him online. He'll open up his shack and serve like gourmet food that you can pair with all the ciders. Wow. Yeah, that'd be amazing. Yeah. It's like I think the for the opening weekend here, which was a couple weeks ago. He was serving, uh, what was it, a confit duck flatbread and shishito hot peppers. With, wow. Oh, yeah. With, um, uh, I think it was buffalo yogurt with lemon in it. 
Oh yeah, and everything See, is. See, and buffalo yogurt and buffalo ice cream is phenomenal. There's there's so many buffalo farms out here now. Um, it's I think it's Testa Farms, uh, just in I think Langley Abbotsford border somewhere. You can Langley Farmers Market. You can buy buffalo products. It's fabulous. Water buffalo, so good. Yeah. Um, but this is a cool thing about Adrian. He's he he falls totally within the whole. Uh, again, the ethos of this project, which is you know local, and for him it's farm to fork, like the, not even a hundred k radius. You're looking at like thirty kilometers from here. He he uses everything as hyper local. Anyways, long story short, let's take it back around. He pairs he pairs super well with everything that's on site here. But yeah, when I'm when I'm looking for cider, I I look one of two ways, either. Um, uniqueness in product when i look at a label i'll find things that i think will pair up well uh, really good flavor profile uh, funky i'll try everything once see if i like it uh, and then just steadfast products like the first one we had here the scrumpy honestly is is probably my favorite here i like that fuller style full bodied i don't want to drink apple juice if i wanted to drink apple juice i'd go get you know something yeah. from the store <laughs> see you know and when we were talking about like this um you know, like the snacks like uh, like i was thinking if there was like some you know real nice like you know artisan flatbread mm-hmm. that had um like a really nice like goat cheese you know from the you know place down here on glover yeah um and then you know you had just like some real rich bone marrow to go with oh. that like i just feel like oh, that would just yeah hold that right in together you know like yep you know even if you took that flatbread with that goat cheese on it and you're dipping it in the the bone marrow oil yeah and you would be able to drink oh, it with and oh, have, yeah. eat that with a little sip of this or what we just had totally like it would just be yeah yeah, yeah. absolutely because again you know you you compare and you contrast and so if you've got a meal that's super rich, you don't want to go for anything that's really light body because you might as well just drink water. The cider, the flavor is going to disappear, eh? So you do want that fuller, fuller body, fuller style, something that's going to either accentuate or reduce the heat or reduce the sweetness of whatever you're eating, depending on if, if it has like a high acidity or a high tannin count in this case. Uh, but yeah, that that would be, oh man, I'd be all over that. Because I was saying like sure. both of those like really hit you in like the forefront of your palate you know like yep. you know like you you like the oil coats your mouth yeah and you know, like you're you're smelling them as they're going in stuff i'm getting hungry, <laughs> oh, <we're> hungry? <laughs> yeah it's just it's like where's that chef is he here right yeah. now is he, is he taking suggestions but we will uh we'll have to you'll have to just come on another day and we'll do it invite everybody up because it's definitely worth worth the time and the visit to to have the food and ciders paired together i think we should probably have another cider though yeah okay. i think we're right about time uh do we want to try the rosary oh yeah yeah, yeah. so with with this one like as your your point like what would you um like what would you pair with this one like food wise that's what kind of we were talking about with this last one we were kicking yeah. some ideas back and we're gonna have to arm wrestle who has the better idea the charcuterie platter or like the goat cheese bone marrow artisan flatbread route, but it's uh, what would you do it with this well, one? Well, you know what, the rose is a bit of a funny one mm-hmm. in that it is such a complete cider on its own. So this is our um, it's paired fresh pressed raspberries, and it's a dry cider, but it's a fruit cider, which tends to kind of book the trend because a lot of fruit ciders are sweet, yeah. right? Yeah. But we want to keep that tart zing that raspberries have, and this is our top seller. Um, and it's super refreshing on a hot date. So yeah. with this one, 
I don't know that I would pair it with food necessarily. You could do if you wanted to, but it's really just to enjoy on its own. And yep. frozen raspberries in it instead of ice cubes, a sprig of mint. Um, we do a really kicking sangria with this rosy cider oh, as the base. So, yeah, I mean, you know what, I, what if, you like. If but, I were to pair this one, if, if yeah. we, if you know, you had it to me, you're like, Jed, pair this. We yeah. need food. I would go something along the lines of um, spinach. Um, like a salad. a salad with a nice fruity dressing totally or yeah or even yeah. just like a oil and vinegar so keep keep it simple and then throw yeah. some pomegranate raspberry um maybe a bit of uh, a goat cheese or a um a feta cheese on top just mm-hmm. to tie in that that salty quality but then that just something light that would have a bit of a fruit quality to it to tie it all or together. Or a, a fruit salad or a sorbet or something. Totally. What I was thinking when when you were talking about that is if it was like a nice like arugula um, with some avocado oil and freshly grated Parmesan cheese yep. on top. Mm. Simple. Something like light, mm. fresh, you know, mm-hmm. like That's good contrasting flavors. But the fruit salad, as soon as you said that, it was like I could almost, yeah. Like yeah. If, the, mm-hmm. if it was bathed in, in this beforehand. Yeah. But the one thing I find with the smell is before I took a drink of it, it like if you've ever had, because on my farm we had a bunch of raspberries, and like every once in a while when you'd be playing, you'd kind of get like this the waft, waft of raspberry smell. Yeah, you know, the like, warm that's raspberry. That's what this yeah. reminds yeah. me of. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so this is just raspberries and apples in the glass here. Yeah. Wow, I really feel on the sides of the tongue. Totally. Yep. Like I feel it's not like a top of the tongue. Yeah. Kind of more like in. Yeah, it just it coats like your, but I really feel like the flavor comes from like the sides of my tongue when I'm experiencing. And the difference that. is it's a fresh mm. raspberry as opposed to being, you know, a high concentrate with additives to it or or stabilizers. It's a real fruit, and so you are gonna get the impact will be on on your side and again like the front of your palate as opposed to the back end. The back I get more of that. Oh, that's a big cloud came over, eh? Uh, the back I get a um, a little bit more of that tart as well and then all of the flavor the apple comes out right in the middle of my tongue on mm-hmm. this one for sure really kind of breaks up lovely flavor the nose is fabulous it's like when you're you're cutting you know your lawn you have raspberries or blackberries and you accidentally run over a whole bunch and then it's just mm-hmm. that smell is totally in the air everywhere that's what that smells like to me and this is the challenge when you're kind of making these um, sort of blend is that you still want it to be a cider Um, you still want people to know they're having a cider right so you want to have the raspberry present just enough um, but not so that it dominates so um, because we make all our cider in batches every batch is a little bit different because every batch ferments a little bit different and then every batch is blended individually and although we have a recipe it's kind of like we'll try it and (laughs) then blend that in the tank and all have a little sample what do we think more raspberry less raspberry (laughs) you know and we'll play with it from there so so there's a there's more of a guideline than a rule when it comes to making these batches and that's the beauty and the challenge of craft we say if you want consistency go to Molson and we strive to be consistently good but it's not going to be the same from batch to batch based on what nature gives you to yeah you. exactly yeah See, and i was just about to say that same thing too is like i think anybody who appreciates these new emerging environments and communities mm-hmm. fully understands that it's like you're not going to get the same thing all the time or like like a bread's going to look a little bit different or a cider's going to taste slightly different yeah. but the one thing that you know like when you're drinking this is like you can tell that there wasn't like 
like a team of scientists or like you know coming up with a flavor like a chemical way of coming up with this flavor like it it, mm-hmm. it tastes and experiences like like a true raspberry flavor because it's not an abundant in your face raspberry taste mm-hmm. it's just, it's there you're aware of it you can see it but it's not it doesn't take over like the whole that's it drink and it really yeah. pulls all senses together too way eh? and that just completes the experience you know, and the one thing like this that I find with these is something because I think that the amount of sugar that's in the other ones, like the commercial ones, is so high is that the ciders are actually a lot cleaner. Like, I thought it was maybe mm-hmm. just going to be the one, but this one carries that same feel to it, too. Like, there's not, like, this um, anything, like, extra to it. Like, it's yeah. just, like, it's just this really clean, pure-tasting product. Mm-hmm. The fewer the ingredients, the better, right? And, yeah. And our principles when we're making cider is like the fewer the interventions the better as well mm. um so for instance we we let our cider clarify by just sitting in the tank over time we don't really filter and um we tried filtering but i i just believe it it strips the taste from the yeah. cider mm-hmm. so i'd rather pe- give people a good taste in cider that maybe is a little bit of cloudy and there's a, a little bit of sediment in the bottle over time um but i'd rather give you that than very pure nothing, you know mm-hmm. so so we try and just mess with nature's process as little as we possibly can when we're making the cider. And that's it. That's sorry. That's just an education moment too. Again, when you're thinking in terms of craft, uh, in trying to keep the product as real as possible, if you see sediments, if you see you know stuff in your product, don't run away from that because that's all where the flavor's at. In fact, um, in the UK, it's often seen as a sign of authenticity having yeah. a cloudy cider. Mm-hmm. And some of the big manufacturers are actually introducing yeah. stuff into their cider yeah. to make it appear cloudy because people then think it's more real, right? Yeah. So. You know, and how crazy is those situations? Instead of just taking <laughs> it one step further and making a more authentic product, yeah. Yeah. you just find a way to be able to manipulate our senses and our perspective on their product, you know, by then yeah. adding different additives and stuff yeah. you know, to it to be able to bring that experience yeah. back. Yeah, yeah with natural it. flavor. Yeah. 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 I yeah. know. Yeah. 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 It's. Uh, certainly um ironic right yeah. <laughs> so then why why raspberries you know like why this one like i'm choosing like blackberry strawberries like do you do those two you just happen to grab a raspberry yeah so i mean when i was in the run-up to opening in the cider i was trying cidery i was trying out all different kinds of recipes and blends and stuff like this because you know um i wanted to open with like four or five ciders enough to give people a choice right and um so I would get all my friends round for these focus groups and <laughs> we would basically sit on my back deck and, and drink um, cider and I, I would ask them to fill out questionnaires and, and it would start very disciplined and then it would rapidly get very unfocused for this yeah. focus group and then I would catch people copying other people's sheets and, yeah. <laughs> and so yeah I just used um, feedback really and uh, and then kind of decided uh, I mean, we didn't finalize our product run out down until probably two weeks before we opened the cidery, you know, and um, and then as we've gone on, we've developed new ciders and um, the way we do it is we have these long table dinners at the cidery and um, actually we're washing our tent today to get it up for the first long table dinner and for every dinner I put on a couple of kegs of cider and I always try and make it something new and unusual that we haven't done before. So I'll try um, a, a blend idea out in these two kegs. We'll pour it at the dinner. At the end of the dinner, I'll say, how did you like it? 
and um, do you think it's a good one? But the downside of that approach is by the end of the dinner, most people will say yes to anything, you know. <laughs> so then if I get good feedback at the dinner, then I'll put on a half batch. And if it gets good feedback in the tasting room and we sell it, sell it um, then I'll put it in the product lineup. And so that's how we develop our, our ciders. So most of the, the new and innovative ones have come kind of through that kind of customer feedback route right and and we're always taking suggestions people come in and like have you tried doing such and such cider and I write it down in my little notebook and you know one day I'll start playing in the kitchen and give it a go see if I can make it work and and then we'll put it through our very informal product development route so, you know and in situations like this you know like sales always mandate you, right? you know like if, if you have like a few different varieties you know like in tastings and you know say it's 10 liters of each one if there's nothing left in one and the rest of them are full like you kind of know which one you're going with yes too, right? yes so. exactly and it's like the black currant and cardamom which is the other one i've got in the bucket here that started out as a dinner cider and then it went to a, a half batch and then it went to a full batch last year and people loved it so much i'm like let's put it on the main product line mm -hmm. you know why why deny people what they would like yeah it, it, it's something i was told on my cider makers courses it's like don't make what you like make what your customers like you've got to be proud of your product yeah but I don't like all of the ciders that we have personally, you know. Um, but, but it's also not your job, does. too, though, right? Like yeah, exactly. Your job, like your passion lies in, the, in offering this product and creating this product. But yeah. you know, it's not your responsibility or obligation to, like, love every drop that no, comes no. out. And, yeah. and we, we've got 10 ciders on our board right now. We've actually got more, but we limit it to 10 at any one time. And I would say to people, we're not enjoy all of these mm -hmm. but we hope we hit the spot at some yeah. point for you you know so you know and even if it's like one or two you know like and you come back for the experience like you're not going to come out here and have all 10 at one time anyway well some people try <laughs> <laughs> well yes i say like in my mind theoretically yeah. like you'd be coming out here to kind of you know pick maybe like one or two you like and you know spend mm -hmm. some time with you know friends or you know like even like you know i know that this isn't typical because you guys aren't open right now but i'm just like oh I'm just like to get away I'm like hopefully there's no cell phone service out here like I can yeah, get used yeah, to this yeah, yeah exactly this is amazing, right? yeah so yeah I think like one of the nice things about here is when people bring the kids and stuff you don't see the kids sat on an iPad you no. see them running out in the field and playing bocce with our bocce set and and stuff like this it's it is an unconnected kind of space although we do have the wi-fi yeah people don't really ask for it they're busy enjoying the mountain views and yeah. hanging out with their friends you know which is really nice yeah. and again it's all those kind of connections too you know like the more that we can get those feedback loops in we're like you know like like I said, I really think a part of like enjoying these ciders, not these ciders, not only that they're just amazing products on their own, but you know because you're surrounded by the ingredients. Like you know, like you're yeah. gonna feel that that energy coming off those those products, and the smells are in the air, yeah. and you know, like it's Super just immersive. Yeah, yeah, you know, like yeah. and all those things, you know, and even you know, like I know, like with my kids, when I see them running around and having fun, everything is better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, like and happy I love kids, those kind happy of things. parents. Yeah, yeah. you know, yeah. Or like. You know, because again, you know, like when you see them in spaces like this and, you know, like they're on like an mm -hmm. iPad or something, you just, you know, you first think, well, how I feel, and I'm like, it's just so unfortunate, you know, yeah. because growing up on a farm in southern Alberta, it'd be like, there'd be a tree house in every tree, there'd be like yeah. tunnel systems, there'd be like all these kind of things, and, yeah. you know, like I love it when I see other kids and my kids doing that same thing, and that's like the beauty about these places now coming up is that they're not exclusions from family like no. they're just like you know we want to be able to spend time together instead of driving the wedge further between us we can actually all come together as a family and go experience something like this yes. yeah yeah 
Yeah, no, you're right. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Where do you guys see the the side re going? Like, what are what some of the, like the next steps or? Next steps. Wow. Um, I focus on surviving the day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think um, we've. We've been open, this is our fourth season, so we've done three years of exponential growth, right? I mean, we did 8,000 meters our first year. We opened in May and we closed down in October because we've run out of cider. So we're like, okay, let's go big next year. We did 24,000 meters year two, opened in May, closed in October because we'd run out of cider. Um, And then we went to 32,000 liters and this year we're at 40,000 liters. So we've had this period of massive growth and it's been exhausting, you know? exhausting and uncertain it's hard to project because you've never had a year that you can compare to yet it's always different so um again the spreadsheets come back yes the spreadsheets I I look at the spreadsheets it still doesn't make any sense um (laughs) so yeah so I think really this year it's just about holding the course and doing what we've done we've just started to invest more in our equipment so we started up very bare bones um everything when you're talking about winery cidery brewery is so expensive and there's just me and sean financing this you know so we have to work smart and so we've um, started off with low budget equipment we've made a lot of our own equipment and so we're just starting to plow the money that we've earned back into the cidery into better equipment now so we can be more efficient you know and maybe not work so hard um so we had two new tanks delivered yesterday and they Mm -hmm. went up yesterday which was very exciting I was kind of like watching between my fingers because I didn't really want to see in case they dropped it but they did a great job yeah Um, and we're looking for a new bottling line this year so we really just want to keep focus on doing what we're doing maybe increasing production a little bit and increasing our capacity to handle that production but we don't ever want to get too large you know this this is not about becoming the next Molson or Carlsberg this is about staying local staying craft staying approachable and all it ever has to do is replace my engineering salary you know we don't need to make our fortune with this and i think um if you get too corporate too big too corporate you lose the heart and soul of what makes you charming in the first place so so um certainly for as long as this place is under my control it's gonna stay pretty much how it is Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. hopefully the grass will get a bit less lumpy (laughs) landscaping will get a little bit smarter but we'll we'll keep what doing what we do i think Mm -hmm. yeah you know and that's you know it's also like taking the time you know like we're you know you guys probably could easily have gone and you know got investors or anything like went to bank and kind of went all out from the beginning but yeah you you don't really learn as much you know along those those ways yeah about like connecting with your customers because then i feel like at that point in time you're just so more like trying to force them to enjoy something because you need to make the return on it but you know now you've had the opportunity to be able to listen to your customers and you know like where you say like you know you have this this capacity it's like the first thing that pops in my mind is just I know how many people loved your program, like where they could come and be interactive with it. And it's just yeah. like, you know, it's, like you said, instead of going corporately big, it's like going you community get health, big. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. you get health and safety department involved in that and it would never happen, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, there's, yeah, um, there's certainly risk to remaining folksy and low key, but I think that's also your charm in this over controlled day and age you as bet. well. And, you know, what you were saying about, um, you know doing it ourselves I think that has been key to how much we've enjoyed it because part of the benefit of being in business for yourself is you say yeah I'm not doing that that's not something I want to do or I don't want to go there or I don't want to have anything to do with that kind of 
philosophy, you know, and if you had investors and even partners, you'd be answerable to a whole different kind of set of pressures. And just being on our own means we're able to make our own mistakes if we do and, and our own triumphs and, and plot our own path through this, you know, and anything I'm not happy with is totally my own fault. So... <laughs> Well, and you know, it's kind of like exactly the same thing as like this podcast is that, you know, like, you know, if it would have been the original concept and the original idea, like I would never be here and like the no. three of us would never be having this yeah. conversation. Yeah, you know, and, because, and you don't have to talk to people you don't want to talk to. It's, yeah. Your, yeah. it's your boat, you're in control, right? Yeah. 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 You know, and like, and we're here because, you know, like with Jen, I was just like, you know, how can we have this much fun like somewhere else? You know, now yeah. we're, huh? you know, sitting here on like what feels like a summer day in a orchard cidery you know like yeah. like how fun is that mm-hmm. and, you know yeah. like to me like that's where i try to attach like the value in my life now is that like yes like we got to kind of you know shift our focus away from you know like like what is like the grand and like you know like what do we what feelings do we attach to then like what does that actually mean to us and you know doing something like this you know in a you know midweek afternoon like that's yeah. value to me like i actually yeah. feel value behind that is that having yeah. the the flexibility now to be able to do things like this is yeah yeah yeah, am- ambition takes you in different ways, right? It's not mm-hmm. all about status, power, or money. It's about living a good life. I'm ambitious to live a good life. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. What's the next one that you got there? Our, our final um, one. Our final one, because, you know, I do need to be productive this afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not the only one who has to go back to work. <laughs> I've got a tent to wash. Um, it's our blackcurrant and cardamom cider. Um, so this is the one I was telling you about that um, we tried out at a dinner and people loved. And and then um, uh, we put it into a batch and it just sold like hot cakes. And, mm-hmm. and so now it's part of our product liner and it's probably one of our top sellers. So it's fresh pressed blackcurrants and then I make some cardamom bitters and finish it with the cardamom bitters. So you've got that nice kind of warm chai spiciness the real robust black currant with a little bit of a, a zing there it's so savory i just <clears throat> i love it so much yeah this one's really good with like a sharp white cheese you've got that whole sort of cheese and relish thing going on yeah yeah so i say there is definitely like you know when when you you know when you when you smell this product like, there's definitely a, a spiciness to it. Like There's a warmth yeah. to it, right? Yeah. 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 We did a, a sampling for BC Craft Cider Week, uh, which was ooh, three, four weeks, five weeks ago now. Um, and we went out to Everything Wine in River District and did a, a little um, sampling seminar. It was a Cider 101 um, masterclass. And when we poured this one into a proper... So I had one of the... There's no glassware left, so they pulled out the big... Uh, red wine goblet glasses when they poured mm. that in there it was just cardamom all day long it was so oh, really? fabulous yeah mm. yeah it really uh in different vessels this really opens up like crazy it was amazing yeah this yeah. drinks very different than it smells mm-hmm. mm. very different like yeah but it's it yeah like it's this is almost like a like a late evening cider to it's kind of yeah. like sort of a port style of cider right yeah, it's got absolutely that heavy, not heaviness but that roundness well, and it's a, a really different richness than what you're going to mm. find in any of the other products see it's funny the, that you you described it because that's exactly what i was thinking too it's like where you almost want to say that it's heavy but it's not you want to say it's like it's heavy flavor mm. but it is but it's not yeah but there's just something that when you when you drink this that just brings you back into experience that it's you know like 
I see that 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 fire going, you know, like almost more inside, you know, like rock based mm, fire, like you know, big leather chair. Fire. Yeah, you know, yeah. where it's like the, you know, it almost, you know, should be warm. Should it not be warm? You know, like it's, like it's a cozy experience. Mm-hmm. This one. But yeah, it yeah. looks great in the glass. Oh yeah. Just watching the sunshine fly through. Oh that. oh <laughs> yeah, exactly. Are all the carbonations of ciders the same? No, no. Everybody has their own. Um, kind of level of carbonation mm-hmm. um so i kind of go late lighter because i'm not a big carbonation fan anyway personally yeah. so is um, it a trade secret like could you say how much carbonation's in here is that information um, you need to keep close to home yeah i don't mind we pressurize our bright tank up to 12 and a half psi yeah um i'm not most people express carbonation in terms of volumes of co2 i'm not sure what that relates to in a volume i'd have to spreadsheet that the certain standard terms right especially yeah. when you talk about wine there's pelletant yeah. which is lightly carbonated and then there's sparkling which is probably like a standard beer or something and then there's champenoise which is the really highly carbonated mm-hmm. where you need the cage to keep the cork on sort of thing yeah so yeah, yeah so we we tend to go more pelletant yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah 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 i almost feel like this would be like a really it like in a an essential spray or like a like a infused with like a beeswax candle or something where like there's just like <laughs> but like that aroma like i love the aroma it's of this. great eh? yeah, yeah and that's the cardamom coming through yeah. right yeah like yeah. it's so unique yeah but it's really pleasant like i said just it, it would it feels like it would make your your home warm so like that's why i feel like this yep. would be great with like friends because it just it warms up the experience when mm-hmm. you're in a social setting exactly mm-hmm. yeah and it goes down really smoothly oh all yeah. day long yeah yeah, yep. yeah. Yeah. Especially on a nice hot afternoon like yes. this. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so like where you were saying that the, the cider expansion for the, the industry in itself is growing in BC. Mm-hmm. Um, like where do you see it going? Like is it rapid? Like you, you kind of made a correlation between like craft beer. Do you think ciders will ever be like then the same like popularity as craft beers? Or do you think it's just like it'll just gain popularity but always kind of have a little bit more of a a second seat yeah i think it will have a a second seat just because north america is such a beer culture right um but you know a couple of things are fueling the rise of it the the whole gluten-free stuff um ciders are naturally gluten-free so a lot of people are seeking them out because of that and um it's kind of a nice crossover between beer and wine when people come into the tasting room they're, they're like oh this is just like wine right so it's like wine but it's the light more refreshing version it's like half the alcohol content yeah. mm-hmm. um so it's just easier to drink on a summer day and and not have that afternoon hot headache that yeah. you have if you've drunk too much wine at lunchtime <laughs> yeah. right yeah. <laughs> what, what is the alcohol content of this i don't even yeah this, they're all about seven percent and that's just what the apples give us so that's the yeah. natural sugar in the apple juice being converted into alcohol yeah yeah oh wow so, yeah so that's about half of what a wine is normally yeah. right for yeah. sure yeah what so. would you pair with this jen walk okay. us down so, so for our Icelandic friends out there, I would pair this with some Vinertet, which is, uh, it's like a traditional, we'd serve it at Christmas, it's um, like a fig and cardamom cake. Ooh. That's what, it's like a, it's like a, a layer and it's got a thin layer of uh, really thin cake and then just layers of this jam that's cardamom forward and you eat, you, I would eat it all year if I could, but it takes a lot of time to make and this, I just, it screams to me, it's a fabulous pairing. I think yes. that would be great. Um, 
this I would pair with, yeah, more along the your spicy desserts. Um, if I were going, if I were going a meat dish or like a main course dish, I think in terms of um, like a, a spiced braised lamb, something along those lines. Mm, yeah, lamb would be good because the yeah. whole lamb red currant jelly kind of thing, it, right? Yeah, with yeah. like with roasted root veggies. Mm. I think that that would be super fabulous. Or or preserves. Preserves and cheese and crackers again because charcuterie is king. Um, but those—that's those are the types of meals that I I would see with this. Your more gamey meat, um, something that is a little bit more wild and oily after you cook it. I think would pair really well. Yeah. Yeah. Like a venison. Like a yeah yeah roast deer. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. with a really nice crusted spice to it, um, braised or if you do it. Uh, right on a right on a grill i think that this would pair up really well with a char too so anything if you want to hit it on not not a smoke necessarily just some nice char a quick fry a quick barbecue yeah see like when i was experiencing this i was the first thing that kind of came to my mind was um like alaskan king crab I don't know why. Ooh. You know, like the like the salty sweet like there. Briny. You know, like it just like it just would almost like I feel like this would enhance it because it would it cuts through like that because like the mm. the jungle king crab is you know pretty salty and sweet you know and like this kind of would help like tame that down because it just it's a little bit heavier and it just it brings you back in to experience the next bite of your your king crab a little bit more. Right. Yeah. 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 Oh, she missed him. Rachel's running across the property. <laughs> yeah, I think, uh, yeah, something with um, that rich, a richness to it for yeah. sure would pair up with this. Yeah. So it just, I feel like it, it would be very, like, palate resetting to get back into your next bite. Yeah, exactly. To, to the extent if, you know, in our, our, our last foray together, we had that, um, the one beer that we would use as the reset to everything. Yeah. Um, to use this in the same same type of fashion, I think would yeah. be a wise move for sure. Yeah. But also adding uh, a really lovely flavor too. If you've got a um, a meat or a fish with a nice neutral flavor, this would be a great pairing with that too because it'll give you um, that nice fruit and spice body without really being overpowering at all. Uh, well, while lending to the warmth of it as well. I, yeah, I'm I dig it. I'm down with that. So which one of these, like, would you pair, like, how we had that beer that was, like, the palate clearing one to be able to experience, like, what would that be in this, this scenario? Or the palate cleansing one, it would be, like, a bone dry. Yeah. Like a bone dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's, like, um, sharp, slightly acidic, you know, just very clean, bright, and fresh. Yeah. 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 It's apple without too much apple. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And what makes it so dry again, or like what? Um, just the fact that we uh, ferment all the cider to dryness, and then we don't add any sugar back into it at all. So mm-hmm. it's just like crisp, you know, crisp, clean, little hint of acidity, not too much because that's a fault, but yeah, yeah, you know, just like um, sparkles on your tongue. That's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What events do you guys have coming up here? Through like, uh, what's the time of year that you guys are open? So we're open May till October. And um, our long table dinners start in June. Um, so we do one dinner a month and Chef Adrian like caters that. He has his barbecue set up and does this amazing menu for us, all fresh local farm to table stuff. And um, so that's our big event every month. And then we have um, 
Uh, how do like, people like reserve a spot or how, how do they connect with that? Well, like, they need to get on our newsletter because mm-hmm. the tickets for this hog roast that we're doing next week sold out in eight hours. So mm-hmm. you need to have your date. You need to have your friends ready. Don't wait for any ditherers. And as soon as the email comes out saying the tickets are released, get on it, you know. Um, so we've got four of those dinners and then we do a live music night every um, month. And so that's just a it's either a small cover charge or just pass the hat for the musician and we just have live music and a food truck down here so that's always a fun night Absolutely. and then um, we're doing a cider high tea which is one of my personal favorites we do cider cocktails and then we work with this amazing um, patisserie chef Janice from the white oven and she does like a, a towering high tea for us which is just delicious so that's always a good one where's the white oven like is that local to yeah she's she's a local Langley lady she came in and just bought cider once and we just got chatting and she's like oh yeah I'm a patisserie chef but I I work in a lab so I just do this off the side of huh. you know she does it out of her kitchen at home and and uh, so we started making collaborations with her most of the stuff that we do here is like people have just walked into the side we we start talking and before we know it we've booked them for an event so like we've got um we've got a paint night coming up with a a, a lady felicity Holmes. she's a Canadian Federation artist she started off as a customer here and she's now a personal friend and and so she's running our paint shop and we've got a florist coming down Shirley who is also a friend and um, she's doing a floral workshop and then we're finishing the day with a cheese making workshop with another lady who just started coming in one day and and now she's a friend and and doing classes here as well so we've got all kinds of events going on and um, our our big one coming up is the libations tour Mm -hmm. and this is where we team up with other local beverage producers so there's a meadery just down the road Vestina Lente um, a distillery Roots and Wings and then the local brewery Trading Post Craft Brewers and so the four of us have got together this is the second year we're doing it we're looking for 500 people to come round and I think we're pretty much nearly there it's going to mm-hmm. be a busy day and they get a passport and they pick up a passport and a tasting glass at their first venue and then they travel around and taste and have little appetizers at all the venues and when they've completed the passport they put it in a drawer and we draw and I just picked up the fridge um, t- yesterday which uh. is going to be filled with products from all the different um, participating manufacturers and and that's going to be our grand prize draw and we also have a shuttle service so you can buy shuttle tickets as well and have somebody shuttle you around so nobody has to drive yeah, so. oh that's yeah. amazing yeah, yeah so that's coming up on june the 23rd and then our big thing which we do which is kind of quirky we have a brit fest <laughs> <laughs> brings in qualities from back home eh? exactly we have morris dancers and any british people listening to this night now will be rolling their eyes but they are a, they are a ton of fun so we clear off the patio we have the Morris dancers there's an audience participation segment of that so you can get up and dance and stuff and they put on a mummers play and we have like traditional British um, uh, games like we have a welly throwing competition and egg and spoon race and tug of war and all that kind of stuff and yeah it's just a day to hang out and people got more into it than we thought last year i mean people were coming in their red white and blue union jack dresses and stuff you know so we're gonna amp it up a bit this year and maybe add a traditional english breakfast to the day to start it off with oh good old fry eh? yeah good fry up to start your day up that's just what you need when you're going for a day's drinking right (laughs) fried breakfast to get going so yeah so we just do stuff like that you know so we we burn hard during the summer i always like when we open that first weekend in may i always take a 
deep breath and it's like okay everybody see you in october yeah. you know yeah. um so it's all consuming while we're open but we do have a lot of fun down here for sure yeah, yeah. i mean if the if the opening weekend was any indication to how the rest of this year is gonna go we'll yeah we'll see your head pop up in october yeah the, the first weekend was bumping it, yeah. there was ev- everybody and their dog was out here and all their children running in the pasture yeah it was lovely well really we're helped good. by the good weather right we always yeah. say cider and sunshine goes together so we know if the sun's shining we're gonna have a busy weekend for sure and busy's good yeah. yeah it sounds like that you guys are pretty big on like events here like you know like you know bringing everybody together you know yeah. not just like bringing people you know to like buy products here like kind of individuals but like connecting them all together yeah as well yeah mm-hmm. and you know our, our events they don't have to make us money they have to cover the costs but they don't have to make us money but the intangible is that people are coming here they're feeling connected to the cidery they're telling their friends about it it's it's just like a a huge form of community connection and and marketing right it's it's really fun marketing much more fun than placing an advert in a newsletter yeah (laughs) you know we all know like you know like obviously like you know word of mouth is always going to be like the best form of advertising like Mm -hmm. nobody reads really newspapers anymore at all you know like you know we've even filtered that down to like you know facebook and instagram ads we don't read the text and like we'll watch a video but the video has to be 20 seconds long you know it has to be catchy at the start you know but Preferably involving a funny cat. Yeah. Yeah, you know, but like none of that will ever replace, you know, like a beautiful day with a glass of cider and a tug of war. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Right? Like, ever. Yeah. You know, but people yeah. will talk about that. Oh, yeah. Or like yeah. I said, like I keep coming back to like you guys hosting like, you know, like these events where, you know, people go pick their apples, you know, like for days and weeks, you know, like they're like, oh, I can't come. I got to go find my apples. What are you finding yeah. apples for? Okay, I'm doing this. Like you do, you guys do an amazing job of like getting people to talk about your, your business and like your cider organically because you you host these incredible events well and it it, it does make me laugh because we have a, a mailing list right and when we're um sending out the long table tickets and um, we send out an email like here's the link you can get your tickets and there's like 1200 people on our mailing list and every time i get a few people just like responding back to me oh thanks for the invite but we can't make it we're out of town this weekend it's almost like your family right yeah <laughs> and a, a very personal invitation yeah yes. exactly yeah, yeah. You, you made that much of a connection yeah they feel they have to excuse themselves when they can't make an event <laughs> yeah you know but taking that kind of ownership you know like that's invaluable because that's something that these big companies will never have mm-hmm. yeah you know like people like blindly walk into like a liquor store and just kind of grab you know like whatever they've just kind of done you know like and they just go somewhere and they do something you know but like yeah. here it has that that family feel and you know you are yeah. going to build those interpersonal connections and yeah. you know, like like you said no matter how much money you spend on marketing you'll never be able to do that because that's just you guys have like solely created that and, and nobody else like nothing yeah. else yeah. yeah yeah well my friend Shirley who does the flowers she says People come here for the cider, but they also come here for the show as well, and to wait and see what pops out of your mouth next. You yeah. Know? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So it's one of those after a couple of ciders, we get the the loose lips version of Rachel. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, yeah. I don't drink anymore. I'm too busy serving other people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Depending on how the stories go, it might be a good thing sometimes. Yeah, though, I right? think so. Well, you know, we always say it would be an awesome place for a reality TV show here, but we're not really sure we want cameras following us around. No. Yeah. No. <laughs> No, no, no. That's the, the whole deal. idea, to disconnect from all of that. You come to the farm to get away. What do you guys do at the end of the year to, to wrap up the season? Um, so we have our Brit Fest, um, which is pretty much near the end of the season. So that's our last big event. And um, Thanksgiving weekend in October is our last um, 
weekend that we're open normally so we always do customer appreciation on the last day and so we'll put bacon butties on or something like that right and just just hang out and everybody comes down and stocks up on their cider for the off season it's it's kind of funny it's almost like the zombie apocalypse is coming but people realize they need cider to fight that you know yeah. so <laughs> everybody's running out with cases yeah um so that's our last day and that is the sunday of thanksgiving and then um on monday we all go home and we have thanksgiving dinner with our families all the staff and then all the staff will get together for an end of year party so like the first year we went wine tasting we hired a coach yeah. and we went wine tasting around everybody else's venue um which was kind of nice to be the customer for a change and then last year adrian cooked us all um a big long table dinner just for the staff nice. so we always do something just to celebrate the season we've had because the staff here are pretty awesome and they're all such excellent ambassadors for what we do here and yeah. just genuinely nice people and we really want to show how much we value them because they are a huge part of our success so we make sure to have some kind of celebration mm-hmm. in fact you know we normally get to weekend two in may before we start thinking about the end of year party which is probably a little bit premature yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's wrap this thing up already yeah, yeah. Exactly. what do yeah. you want to do this year <laughs> so uh just quickly like do you like so we tried three um is there any way that you could rack the old memory bank there and drop us in all 10 of the different ciders you guys yeah. have? Oh, yeah, yeah. So we have the Bone Dry, which is our zero residual sugar cider. And then my personal favorite with it's the House, and we call that our off dry cider. So it's just slightly back sweetened. It still drinks like a dry, but it, it's a little bit more balanced than the Bone Dry, and it brings out more of the apple, I think, yeah, doesn't it? The Jane? apple is between yeah. the two, the apple is really more prevalent in yeah. the house. It's a lovely drink. It's, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I I still sometimes drink some of that and go, wow, who made this? Who They're made awesome. This? I yeah. made this. <laughs> How did I make this? <laughs> and then we have our community press, which is the one where everybody gets involved. The Gleaners Gold, which is the one we made for the Langley Environmental Partners. Yep. And um, our Scrumpy, which is our traditional English cider. That's one of those that we we tried. The Rosy, our raspberry cider. Then um, we've got uh, the blackcurrant and cardamom, which we also tried. We've got a gin botanical. So that's a, another interesting collaboration. There's a distillery in Langley called Roots and Wings. And when they finish making their gin, they give us the botanicals out the still and we steep them in the cider for a week and it picks up this like really subtle gin hint. Yeah. So it's kind of like a pre-mixed gin and tonic, but light. Um, so that's wow. a that's mm-hmm. a super popular one. Um, I actually found out about that beer that we had too that was infused with the... Like or like it was in a um Oh the bourbon barrel the bourbon. Aged. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like these infusions of different, you know, like products I find just make an amazing product. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So um yeah, experimentation is huge, right? So mm. where did we get to? Gin Botanical. Yeah, one left, I think. Uh, two more left. Two. Elderflower, yeah. which um, is our, uh, one of our best sellers. Wildly popular. Yeah. And I think one of Jen's favorites. Yeah, yeah. I quite enjoy that one. Yeah. 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 yeah, we make a traditional elderflower cordial and then steep that for three days and strain it and then blend that into the cider. And then our honey cider, which is just basically cider, the bone dry cider mixed with buckets of honey which um, can either come from our own hives or from other Langley beekeepers and um, so that's the standard lineup that we have at the minute but stuff swaps in all the year we've got a ginger cider in the back now that is just waiting for a space on the board before yep. we release it 
we don't like to have more than 10 it just gets too confusing mm-hmm. and, and too much to store in the fridge as well exactly yeah. yeah and then we do a smoked sage in the summer so we'll do that um i've got some other ideas like a plum basil one that we're probably going to do this year that sounds great and then we've got a whole series yeah, of um like cider maker experiments so i've got a pinot noir barrel aged cider that i'm finishing off right now and then like a sour cider that we might even mix with a sour beer cool. we've got a size that which, would be yeah yes that would be so yeah. good yes so that's in that's in the work i keep tasting that <laughs> i've got to be careful I, I should bottle it soon otherwise i'll have tasted the whole lot and there'll be <laughs> yes. nothing left yeah but um, that's the mad scientist part though like you yep. know jen and i like we've talked about before where it's just like that's the part about this all these experiences that i love you know like where it's yeah. the you know like you're just you're trying all these different things you're like you're infusing it like you're sipping it like you're like i, I love that it's yeah. the magic and the the community as a whole is really grasping onto that too where it's becoming more acceptable to you know throw these crazy ideas together and put it out there and still have people come and try it and enjoy yeah. it you know, I think that comes with a responsibility. You can be crazy, but it really has to work on some level as it's well. It's not right? unfettered. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You can't you, crazy, but not mad. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then um, for this year, we've got our first release from our home orchard as well, which really? we're super excited about. Yeah. So we've got 120 liters off our own trees, their first harvest. So that's going to be our first vintage of what we're going to call the Rooster's Revenge. What a huge moment for you guys. Oh, yeah. You know, so many huge moments though, like, you know, every time it seems to be a first and, and yeah, it's, um, it's certainly been a roller coaster of a ride, mm. you know, and I can't believe it's only four years, it does feel like ten. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. That's because the amount of hours you put in. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All immersive. Yeah. You brought some, uh, some information, like, uh, like, um, like websites, social media handles, like phone numbers, email addresses, like throw it out there like how can people connect with you or get on that mailing list okay so the very best resource is our website racevalleyside.ca and uh, you can sign up the newsletter there there's our event calendar there's how to book a group visit um everything you need to know about coming and visiting the cidery and our story and our ciders and everything it's all on the website and then we do um social media as well but not i have to say i'm not the best at social media i'm a certain age demographic where it's still a challenge rather than a pleasure um so fraser valley cider is on facebook and our hashtag on instagram is fraser valley cider company so those are the main ways of getting in touch with it but the website is best it's got everything on there Mm -hmm. that's where all the resources are allocated yeah yeah there's a there's a map there's everything you need to know and just uh, quickly too, when does that event start where um, everybody gets the, the passport and they the can passport, go around? The passport, the Lanley Libations Tour. So there's a link to that on our website, but you can also put look it up for langleylibationstour.ca and that's June the 23rd. Okay. Sunday, June the 23rd. It should be an awesome day. Live music at all the events, appetizers, free tastings, chance to win an amazing prize and offer a ticket of $10. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. Well, thank you, Rachel. I really appreciate you taking the time out with us today. It's been absolutely amazing spending this afternoon with you ladies. Yeah. Thank you very Thanks, much, Jen. Like, it's been fun. And again, if anybody wants to get in touch with me, again, you can yeah. always find me at Jen at Kiss on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. It's J-E-N-A-T-K-I-S um, with Kiss Consulting. 
uh, kisconsulting.ca online. Uh, you can find us on all social media platforms. And I would love to hear from you if you have any questions on tastings and pairings, uh, have any feedback on this show, or if you're looking for any of these products, if you're in BC, give us a give us a shout. You can talk to Rachel or myself and we can push you in the right direction. Uh, or if we see you in the community, come up and have a chat because I'd love to hear from, from you and hear what you have to say. And the one thing is, like... Um obligate Jen by going up and saying I talk to her when you see her because again she's like my new bestie obviously everybody all you guys yeah, can you tell that yeah. yeah you know it is like but be prepared when you suck her and you're going to be there for probably like an hour or two because she's just like that kind of amazing person that's going to take that time out to spend with you and uh, you're going to just love every minute of it and obviously you can tell that give uh get a couple of ciders in rachel and get her start talking because it's gonna be some interesting stories yeah. coming from her yeah. as well the stories. But, um, no photos no, no photos <laughs> <laughs> in a true royal way right <laughs> well thank you ladies thank, thank you, you.